Martech Stacked, episode 26 with Daryl Prill. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain. And each episode, I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. I'm joined today by a man who describes himself by saying... He's an aggressive B2B SaaS revenue machine. He manages a budget better than a miser, and he's not afraid to make hard decisions. He's the host of Inside Inside Sales and the Chief Revenue Officer at VanillaSoft. Welcome to Martech Stacked, Daryl Prill. David, how are you doing, sir? Good to be here, my friend. It's great to have you on, Daryl. So thanks for coming on. You can find Daryl over at DarylPrill.com. So, Daryl, explain. Explain what VanillaSoft does and how you use marketing technology to make it better. Oh, my friend, what does VanillaSoft do? VanillaSoft is the marketer's best friend in all irony. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. And what that means is we ensure that your sales reps follow up on the marketer's MQLs, the marketing qualified leads, uh, fast, frequent, persistently across multiple channels, phone, email, social, text, video, because the marketer hates when they go and make a lead and then it just sits there and never gets followed up. Or if it does get followed up, it's about a week later and they make two or three attempts and then they come back and they say, this lead sucks. Marketers don't like that. <laughs> Vanilla soft is the point of actually making sure the sales reps do everything the marketer wants done fast, persistently, multi-channel to increase and maximize your chance of getting hold of the individual and do it an actual SQL process so you can move them along in the funnel. Okay. And in terms of marketing technology in general, how has marketing technology improved the way that VanillaSoft operates in general over the last couple of years? Well, I don't think we're unique. Maybe not everybody uses words. For us, there's a couple of different ways that marketing technology has really helped us. Number one, <clears throat> you know, we are a lean team and we're competing with companies that are far bigger than we are, better invested than we are as far as venture funds, et cetera, goes. So marketing technology has allowed us to scale, scale massively, well beyond what normal sized teams can do by creating repeatable processes, nurtures, outreach programs, et cetera. It's also given us a ton of insight and intelligence on what works and what doesn't, because we don't have the same funding. Every dollar I spend has to be, I don't know, I can't afford to lose money the way perhaps someone with more funding can. It's got to generate an ROI. So that means I need insights on uh, what does my audience react to? What channels do they prefer? Where do I increase the spend and where do I decrease the spend? So the marketing technology has given me that intelligence that we need. And finally, believe it or not, it's just, it's all about brand. The marketing technology has made us look way more professional than if you knew me one-on-one, -on -one, you would ever think it was possible for me to be. So the marketing, uh, the look and feel, the brand coming across as a major player, believe it or not, it goes back to the marketing technology. So those are kind of three areas where the tech stack has dramatically made an impact and allowed us to compete and succeed. 
I love that. So marketing technology to a certain degree makes it easier for smaller firms to come across as if they're a larger uh, firm and and compete more effectively. And perhaps because smaller firms are more agile, they might even perform better or be more efficient at making quick decisions and uh, implementing marketing technology than bigger firms. So do, do smaller firms have an advantage over larger firms now because of marketing technology? You know, that's a good, that's a really, that's a really good question. <clears throat> I would answer it two ways. One is it depends on the leader, right? So like with my team, I, you should never construe that I'm suggesting I'm a good leader. But with my team, one of the things I say to them is um, take risks. The only way we're going to um, take down the category leader is if we take a risk with a program or a tactic or a technology that allows us to have a leapfrog in our reach and in our penetration um, and in our accomplishments, which usually is measured by revenue. Um, so to do that, a smaller firm has the ability to kind of do that. But you know, you don't spend a lot of money usually because you don't have a lot of money. So you mm. do it, and then if it doesn't work, you can change courses really fast. That's a leadership thing. Now, where the technology comes into play, I find there's kind of two different layers. Uh, one is the must-have. You know, we'll probably get into this. And you know, marketing automation these days is probably a must-have as an example. But the other stuff. Is, is where you can take a risk as a small company um, because again, you have that psyche, that logic, that belief that I have to take a risk to achieve. So I'll give you a simple example. Right now, we're piloting some software that I would never normally do that allows me to have 3D, to superimpose 3D images beside me on a screen. Imagine mm -hmm. me looking at you as if it was uh, right there beside me, like a, a bar chart or a pie chart or something. So that when we're doing videos, uh, maybe it's a webinar, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a live stream. I can actually all of a sudden have this holographic image appear beside me floating in the air. That's the kind of stuff that is 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 uh, avant-garde. It's like, ugh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But when you're at a larger company, they tend to have tighter controls on processes and stacks. It's the nature of the game. Um, smaller company, you can take those risks. Why would I do that? I'm going to do that so that my content completely stands out and people go, oh my goodness, did you see what VanillaSoft is doing? No one else is doing it. That's crazy. Yes, it may only last six months before everybody else catches up. That allows me to be you know, that risk taker that I think small companies can totally do because they're justified to do it because they're trying to become a category leader. Great answer. I love talking about taking detours. I love taking detours in their conversation based upon the interesting answers that you give. And you obviously talked about small firms being potentially more agile or more able to compete more effectively thanks to marketing technology. So I'm glad I asked you about that. But let's focus now on the specific technologies that um, you actually use in your business. So starting off with number three, what are your top three tools in your current MarTech stack and why? So the top three tools, this was an interesting question. Um, for those who don't know the show, David's awesome. He sent you some of the questions in advance, which is fantastic. So I was sitting down here uh, this morning before getting on the show, making sure I was fresh and I had my cup of coffee and going, damn, those are really good questions. Uh, and I'll tell you the answers. Number three for us is a solution called Terminus. Terminus is an account-based marketing platform. They would compete against vendors like Sixth Sense or Demandbase, for example. For us, that's huge because we have shifted our wholesale methodology from 
uh, are reps only handling inbound marketing using marketing using tech stack content marketing etc to generate inbound flows to augment that with an outbound program so we've gone to what what topo calls as a double funnel which is a traditional demand gen and abm terminus allows me to make sure that my search engine marketing my pay-per-click spend is specifically targeted at my audience and allows me to take the content and the graphics and the messaging that only they want to see and it allows me to measure their engagement so that i can actually notify my reps which of their named accounts are showing higher interest you know subtle interest big interest high interest whatever so I've got a very personal one-to-one -one experience and it goes through not just from the, the ad, if they click on the ad, it goes to the website, all right? So they actually have a content dynamically changing on your website, specific to them. So we all know personalization works. So in this case, it is all about the personal, the ABM. That's number three for me. So I haven't actually tried Terminus before. Uh, Terminus.com I see on the website. What kind of firm is the typical use case scenario? Are we talking about any B2B type company that utilizes account-based marketing? Does it have to be a certain length of sales cycle to take advantage of Terminus? Well, again, Terminus is ABM. So <clears throat> it, the sales cycle is probably secondary to just the sales methodology. So if you are, how do I back this up? ABM has a, and I'm quoting different analysts or any other experts, you have a three-tier approach. You say, I'm gonna have large accounts. Usually a sales rep will have upwards of five. You have named accounts, a sales rep may have upwards of 40, and you'll have industry accounts, may have up to 500. And often that's split. So your account executive does the five and the 40, and your SDR does the 500. So the whole point is if that's your approach, in other words, I'm not gonna sit and wait for marketing to bring me all these leads. These are the accounts that I wanna go, they're named, I'm going after them. This is my target audience. I don't care, anybody else is gravy, but these are the people I care about. If that's how you sell, then ABM Terminus as an example, or Demand Base, or Sixth Sense, or anybody else in that, in that category, should be something you, be, you should be evaluating at. They're gonna let you be far more targeted than you could be on your own. And the platform talks about integrating different advertising channels as well. You touched upon that as well. So how targeted can advertising be to really assist with account-based marketing? Is it possible using Terminus, for instance, to advertise directly to anyone within that individual firm that you're targeting? Not an, it was, that's a really good question. <clears throat> Not an individual firm at the pay-per-click level, but you can do it at the account level, so say IBM, a nice simple example, right? Um, and But once they flow through to your site, then yes, I can say, oh, look, it's David. It's the David guy. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I can start personalizing my content. I know that they're IBM. I know that it's David. David's been here before, perhaps. Uh, and then I can say things like, there's so many ways you can do it, right? You can do it on the website. You know, uh, uh, David, good to see you back. You know. People who love IBM also love this case study. Check it out. Uh, the chat can say, hey, David, welcome back. What's new with you since we last talked? Um, we saw last time you were here, we are talking about this. Is that what you want to do? Um, you want to continue that conversation? So that whole personalization, people go, whoa, they know who I am. And, and, and it allows them, remember, people don't stay in your site long. They tend to bounce fast. So whatever you can do to personalize and keep them there and keep them hooked and get that conversation going gives you more intelligence. And of course, that all flows back to the sales rep as well. So that's really what the whole point is, is that I'm using this very targeted, very personalized messaging. 
and engagement on the website to physically get them hooked so I can hook, I can introduce them to my sales rep. So Terminus is your MarTech tool number three. What mm-hmm. is your MarTech tool number two? You're going to love this one. I bet you you've never had this answer. And if you have, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> number two is a solution called vmix that's v like victor m-i-x vmix i i i don't think i've had the answer however um i'm actually using vmix at the moment to produce my videos i'm well aware of vmix so then you my friend understand exactly what i'm talking about v people are out there if you don't know what vmix is if you're not savvy like david is vmix is simply a video production platform think of it as your cable news right where you have multiple speakers you can have lower thirds graphics you can have cool graphics and videos in the background you can change scenes you can have tickers you can have just a whole gobsmack whole bunch of stuff right you can record local you can go live streaming you can do whatever you want so vmix is everything everybody tries to make zoom but you're stuck with zoom and zoom's layout and pretty much if you use zoom let's say you're using zoom for your webinars webinars are a big thing you're using zoom for your podcast all right well guess what your webinar and your podcast looks just like everybody else's there's literally no branding there's no personalization there's no call to action none Video is our number one way of engaging at Vanilla We do, we don't do, we'd like to say we don't do webinars and we don't. What we do do is live streams. All right. So we don't get, and think about this as a marketer. Okay. And this is the biggest, this is a big reason why we do it. When you use Zoom or go to webinar or WebEx or any other platform, when you use that, you're sending your customers to somebody else's site that you don't control the look and feel, you don't in control anything. But when I use when I use VMix and I do a live stream and we live stream through Vimeo live stream producer. So what that means is VMix, VMix allows me to have all my interviews. And an interview could be, it could be just a one-on-one video I'm doing as part of a case study. I simply want to do, a, how did you use your tool? How does it look? I'm going to capture this video. Then I'm going to repurpose this video for my writers to go and write a case study. And then when I launch it, I've got the written version and I've got this wonderful little video version that's looking kick ass. All right, that's one example. But again, we use it for you know our, our live streams or our webinars. So I we stream it to Vimeo. Vimeo gives me the embed code. I put it on my own landing page. So why is that? Why does that matter? This is why it matters. Now, when people come to watch my webinar, my live stream webinar, they're on my site. And if they want to poke around because people get distracted, well, where are they going to poke around? They're going to poke around on my site. And because it's my landing page, I can have any call to action I want to get this white paper. Here's another case study. He signed up for a free trial. You can't do any of that on Zoom. So you're spending all this money on webinars as a great lead source, and yet you're sending them away to somebody's site and you have no control in the look, the feel, the impression. The number one comment we get in our staff is, oh my gosh, you guys are world-class producers. Nobody does it like you guys do. And guess what? I can also take my guests. Maybe David, you've got a piece of content. You know, you're my guest on on my live stream and I can actually embed that on my landing page. So now you're thinking like, look at these guys, they're taking care of me. And now you're so excited about your experience and how you look because of VMix 
because we supported you with a call to action on our landing page that you promote my content that I did with you to all of your audience. So it's not just a webinar, it's the webinar that you start sharing. VMix is what makes my brand look way better, way better than anybody else. Great answer. I mean, I love VMix as well. I used to, a few years ago, use OBS and it crashed mm -hmm. on me a couple of times and it's okay, but uh, VMix for me is very stable, relatively easy to know. Obviously there's a bit of a learning curve going on. I'm just using it at the moment to add some subtle improvements to the video that I'm producing. So I might've tweaked the brightness. I might've delayed my audio signal very slightly just to lip sync a little bit more accurately with the video that um, is being produced. But because I'm working in a temporary studio at the moment, I've got a relatively simple setup just now. I've got a Logitech C920 microphone, I've got a Samsung Q2 mic Q2U microphone, and I, I, I recommend that to people as a, a decent minimum startup um, package to have. Uh, I know, Daryl, that you've got a, a Heil PR40, wonderful microphone. I usually use an RE20 Electrophoist oh, microphone that I absolutely love, love as well. That's usually my go-to microphone. Yeah, uh, lo love that love that one too. So it's so, so important as a content producer nowadays to be aware of the quality of the content that you're producing. One thing that I've touched on beforehand that uh, I'll, I'll just say to you as well is that um, I don't believe that your competitor nowadays is just who does the same things as you do in terms of the products and services that you produce. Your competitors nowadays are whoever captures your consumer's attention. And that could be Netflix, it could be the BBC, it could be other media publishers, because whoever, whoever are, con are capturing your consumer's attention, then they're not consuming your website, your content that you're producing. And if you immediately, um, if they immediately go to your content and your sound quality is highly inferior to the content that they're used to consuming, they're gonna go off that straight away. So as you're saying, use VMix, use quality um, content production materials and you'll capture people for a much longer period of time. I'll give you one quick example on another use case. We have massive engagement ourselves and, and our designated spokespeople within the company on social media platforms, especially LinkedIn. So when you get on LinkedIn and you've got this, maybe it's a 30, 60, 90, two minute, uh, you know, vignette clip, a promo of a, of a video you did or a webinar you did or a podcast you did. And you've got that kick-ass look and feel that, that cable news quality when they're in their stream. It's amazing. Even when we do our VMix layout, we always make sure that the lower third of our layout, of our scene, is always just a solid bar. And we use blue, vanilla soft blue, because we know that's where the captions are gonna go, all right? So everything is laid out for distribution. Social, email, newsletters. It's not just the website. That's why VMix is so important. Absolutely. I could keep on talking about this kind of stuff for, 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 for forever almost. Um, I just want to leave one final tip in terms of <clears throat> podcast or video production. If you're doing an interview type show, um, the way that we produce shows at Casting Cred is that it's essential to record everyone on a separate track. So many people record their different participants on the same track. And then when you're editing afterwards, it yeah. can be a nightmare. If someone's got a bit of background noise in there or someone's not at the same level as you're at, you're never gonna produce a high quality audio track. But if someone has challenges, but you're recording everyone on a separate track, then you can 
alter the the perceived volume afterwards of each track. You can also edit um, background noise um, out completely if someone's on a separate track. So, so that's absolutely essential or an essential part of producing great quality audio. Uh, <laughs> Daryl, I, I, let's let's not uh, stick on the production. Um, you want number one um, train of thoughts. Okay, let's let's go to number one. We've got we've had number three, which is Terminus. We've had number two, which is VMix. What is your number one? Yes. Number one, probably no surprise, is our marketing automation platform. We use HubSpot. You know, we've looked at platforms like Marketo and Pardot, but for us, uh, HubSpot uh, hits the right balance of features for price. Um, so that it's just you know it's it's a good tool you don't have to use hubspot you can but you know do use marketing automation the ability to have the forms it's got built-in abm if you if you get the right uh, level which we take advantage of as well that gives us additional features uh very personalized call to actions overlays pop-ups if you will popovers that allow us to engage with them throughout the site uh, different custom call to actions uh, the email blasting, the intelligence, and because it integrates with salesforce.com, my sales reps have access to all that visibility. So when I do send them a lead or if an account-based marketing lead sourced by Terminus comes in before they reach out to them, my rep has contacts. They know that they've been to our site. They know they've downloaded these papers. They know they've, they've watched these webinars. So all that intelligence, that's what lets me scale. Setting the nurtures alone is just a massive thing. So we know, oh, you want to sign up a free trial? Here's your free trial nurture. Oh, you want to download, you want to sign up for a webinar? Here's your webinar nurture. Oh, we haven't talked to you in six months. Here's my, hey, are you still alive nurture? So all of that is on autopilot once it's set up. And then I can personalize that based on personas, job titles, et cetera. All of that allows us to have the right message in front of the right audience. We set it, we forget it. That's what lets me scale. Plus it gives me the, the, ins the insights that I need to do our job. So do you also use um, HubSpot to publish blog posts or other pages on your site as well? So we don't use HubSpot for the blog posts. We use WordPress. Uh, we do use HubSpot for their pillar pages and all the SEO juice that goes with it. So the idea creation, uh, figuring out the tags, and we supplement that with other SE, uh, SEO tools as well. We use mm -hmm. Ahrefs, uh, Buzzsumo, et cetera. <clears throat> but uh, for the pillar pages, and the pillar pages are our number one performing uh, web pages on the site. So that's all HubSpot, and that gives us immediate intelligence, which is fantastic. One other tool that you also mentioned was Pardot. Um, now, is that a tool that you were using beforehand? And did you did, were you deciding between another tool and HubSpot before you actually chose to go with HubSpot? That's a great question. So I have used Pardot before in the past, and I have used Marketo. In fact, I was customer number 40 for Marketo once wow. upon a time. Um, and that was a hellish, awful experience. Never be, never be customer number 40. Just so you know, the product is way too rough around the edges. Um, in my case, when I joined the company, I joined the company three years ago. It was funny because my CEO who had hired me, I hadn't started yet. I was a couple weeks out, calls me up and he says, okay, uh, we had HubSpot for a year. It's coming up for renewal after one year. We haven't done a lot with it it's you're the new CMO at the time. Is that what you want? Do you want us to renew it or not? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. Cause I've got a lot of experience with, with it. Pardon, 
is owned by Salesforce. So if you're all in on the Salesforce ecosystem 100%, then go Pardot. It's a fantastic tool, it really truly is. So for us, we weren't. At the time, we weren't even using Salesforce.com. So for us, HubSpot made the right sense. And, and we knew CRM was gonna be in our future. Did we wanna go HubSpot CRM? We could do that, that was, that was one avenue. If we chose to go Salesforce, we knew how the integration. So again, it was just for us, it, was, it struck the right balance. Uh, and and their tiered pricing and, and, and then pricing by your contact database size gives you some flexibility. So when I joined, our contact database size was relatively small. They hadn't done a great job building up their opt-ins. So again, that made the pricing way more affordable. We only had the professional edition. We didn't have the enterprise edition. Now, since then, we've grown and we've got a massive database and we're on the enterprise edition. And yes, it costs a lot more money, but we grew into it. Now, the challenge with that, like anything else, it's kind of like CRM it becomes so instantiated in your workflow and everything you do that once you're in, if you decide a year or two down the road, you wanna jump ship and go to another brand, it's gonna be a pain in the behind to rip out and replace it with something else. That's the only thing you need to know. Yeah, great points, great points. Um, <clears throat> we've had a flavor of many different um, pieces of MarTech, not just your top three that you currently use within your business. I'd like to get a, an understanding of how that actually impacts your content marketing strategy, how everything fits together, really. Um, so maybe can you give us an example of a piece of content um, or some kind of sequence that you've published in the last year or so that um, has utilized one or more of these technologies and, and why it was as successful as it was? Sure. So let's let me give you a real life example and you can tell me if this is what you're looking for. Thank uh, you. Very recently, within the last month, month and a bit, uh, we announced an acquisition. We acquired a company. So every marketer has been down this road, whether it's a product launch or a big announcement. In this case, it was a big announcement. So how do you go to the world and physically say, uh, ta-da, we bought this company now because we all know what this is going to mean. When I go and say I bought this company, I'm going to have 50 million questions. Well, what does that mean? Where, where does it fit? What's the integration? Are there any layoffs? Are you going to be doing any more hiring? Are you not competing with this person or that person? The list goes on. That's what happens when you get a, when you acquire a, a company. So for us, it was all about a marketing launch, and we gave ourselves two weeks. So we and understand we had we I acquired a whole second marketing team. So the two marketing teams had to come together. They never worked before. And we had to use our marketing tech stack to do this. And what we ended up doing was we ended up creating, as you might imagine, an FAQ document that we had to answer to all those questions I just went through and way more across development and marketing and sales and whatnot. We educated, we used the marketing automation platform to physically create, schedule all the emails to go at all the right time because of this, we, we said on this date, we're launching. And what it was, was a sequence of events. So like at nine o'clock, we're doing this. At 9.30, we're doing this. At 10 o'clock, you know, we issue the news release. At the same time, we're emailing our customers. At the same time, we're emailing the press. At the same time, we're emailing our partners, et cetera. At 12, and, and, and every single one of them have a call to action to go to a 12 o'clock session where we're going to do a live stream. And on the live stream, we got the two CEOs. I'm the host. We've got an industry analyst and we've got a joint customer. And we're on a live stream and walk through exactly why we had done that. So 
at the same time, we turned on Terminus and said, okay, launch all the pay-per-click campaigns at the same time that says VanillaSoft has just acquired Autoclose. What does this mean to you, IBM, in my example, right? So we had a very multi-channel campaign that was extremely targeted and sequence wasn't like a, you know, seven touches in seven days sequence. This was mm. like, you know, seven touches in seven hours sequence. And, uh, and everybody was pushed towards that live stream where we had that the content there. And then in the live stream, we followed up with a post live stream. Thank you for attending us. Here's the link to the live stream. Uh, and here's some additional uh, collateral um, about Autoclose, about VanillaSoft, about what it means to you, about the vision. And do you want a demo of it? Maybe you don't know. Let us show you why we acquired this company. That resulted in over 100 free trials alone. In fact, wow. we've published this case study in Superior and Demand Gen report as we speak. It was staggering. So the live stream, guess what? Produced by vMix. All the videos we'd sent the day before, we'd use social media to send videos to over 50 industry influencers produced in vMix. All the emails, HubSpot, all the content, HubSpot, all the targeting, Terminus. Once you go to the website, Terminus. All right, all that information notifying the sales reps. So that was an example of us using it all to actually do a big, big ta-da. And that was a point in time, but the same methodology, the same approach works across anything, whether you're in a product launch or just, you, you came to our site and you downloaded some content, boom, you're in a sequence. And that's over and over and over again. It was all about brand. It was all about an ad driving them to do something. Um, so I'm not sure that answers your question, sir, but you, know, you tell me. I like asking relatively open-ended questions to see where the answer is going to go, because um, if you're too fixed, then you're never going to get a very interesting story. And to me, what your answer says is, um, as a listener, um, the listener would be saying, well, I as a marketer need to be making better use of strategic scheduling. Because I think many marketers perhaps don't plan the precise time that something's going to happen or not everything at the same time at a certain time. And to create a real tsunami of content, of brand awareness, um, if everything is done at the same time, then the end consumer is much more likely to to see it, to interact with it, and to perceive the brand as being highly important because they're seeing that brand in many different places. The other thing that was important, I, I mentioned how marketing automation really allows my team to scale. And, and that was the case. We were able to craft all those emails, all those communications, all those collateral pieces in advance over that two weeks and put them into the platform. And as you said, schedule them. So <clears throat> it wasn't like we were there on the day of going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, everybody go and, and, and freaking out and did we forget something? Uh, our biggest fear was that there would be a hiccup in HubSpot and it wouldn't send it. But of course that mm. didn't happen. So we were relieved. Marketing technology is a lot more reliable than it was 10 years yes. ago. <laughs> There's an understatement. <laughs> right, Darrell, let's ask you now, as your business grows, what's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? So that's, uh, when I saw that question, I was like, oh, damn, that's a really good question. Because we've actually automated a fair amount of stuff. And the only thing that came to mind, honestly, was there was a couple of things. 
we never really ever seem to have the perfect reports we want. We always want more information. As you might imagine, you know, there's two ways you can go as a marketer or any kind of tech stack. You can be all in single vendor, so Salesforce. And the beauty of that is that they've done the integrations for you. But the difficulty with that is, <clears throat> you know, the marketing may not be the right marketing choice for you or the CRM the sales site may not be the right choice for your sales team. So you take, there's compromises there. So the upside you get is one data uh, backbone that and some pre-built analytics, which is the intelligence. We didn't do that. We're a marketing sector. It's a federated approach, right? We've got Salesforce, we've got HubSpot, we've got Terminus, the list goes on. So what we end up doing is a lot of manual processes to bring all this data together. Some have integrations, HubSpot to Salesforce has an integration. Others don't. So now you're using tools like PySync owned by HubSpot now, or Zapier, mm -hmm. or you might use if this, then that. And there's so many different ways of integrating the technology. So if I could automate anything, I would just love this super duper, I know it doesn't exist and they've been trying to do this for years, this uber integration thing that just said oh leave it to me i know how to integrate this piece of technology with this piece of technology because this is what you're going to want and, and i know all the reports you're going to minimally want and they're all there and by the way it's really affordable if i could get that i you know i would just be i would be happy 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 that doesn't exist <laughs> So if someone's out there and you've got that solution today, call me, I'll be your guinea pig. I'll test it for you because right now that's my biggest pain in the arse because what you end up getting is you end up getting data of different aged buckets, you know, because all oh, this integration happens in real time. Oh, this one happens daily. Oh, this one happens weekly because it's a manual process and we have to manually go in and say, go do it. And so your data is never, ever quite current. And I want to react in real time. And, you know, David Meerman Scott talks about the idea of newsjacking. And when you have that analysis in real time, oh, look, there's a spike because this is going on. You can go, oh, my goodness. And then you can get out there in front of that, newsjack that topic, that issue with your own point of view, your own issue, your own content. And all of a sudden you're getting picked up and you're getting massive SEO juice and massive brand visibility. That's one example of what that and that real time super duper analysis across all the tech stacks would do for you. But I know I'm dreaming, David, and I will continue to dream. Well, dear listener, tell Daryl that he's not dreaming and share the piece of software that he's looking for. But <laughs> if you're not out there, if you can't do that, then um, Daryl, let's ask you one other main key question. And that is, what is something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that perhaps doesn't even exist yet, and you would love to see created? I, 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 I haven't thought on that because I like to think of myself as, as pretty on my ball when it comes to my tech stack, because for context, I began life as a computer programmer. So I'm fairly technical. I'm like, what doesn't exist that I haven't used and why haven't I used it? And I came to me and I'm going to show my nerdy side. Okay. I want the Star Trek holodeck. I want to be able to get virtual events where we're all in there. We're remotely every place we want to and zoop. We're in there or or the Star Wars concept, right? Where all of a sudden the holograms appear all around me and I can talk to each of them. I can look at them. They can see me. I can see them. I'm looking at them as opposed to looking down at a screen where my damn eyes are. Um, that 
you, you can get me that. My live events, my one-on-one sales engagements will go through the roof, especially as we all continue to work from home. So, David, if you've got a hollow deck lying around, you need a guinea pig, I'm your man. Well, funny you say that. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> it, it would certainly be very useful and appealing for many people at the moment, especially with um, so many people having to work from home. It sounds like the kind of technology that is going to happen at some point in the oh, future, yeah. but who knows how many years into the future. Yeah. I mean, they're they're pushing hard, right? We have virtual reality, we have augmented reality. You know, the things I can do with my phone and my, my tablet these days are crazy. Um, so I don't think it's really, really that far away. But, uh, you, know, you know, imagine this whole work from home thing, but you, you were surrounded by that. Right? I mean, I haven't been to a conference in a year. It's killing me. I, you know, I was like super elite status on all the airplanes because of all the you know, speaking and, and the shows we did. And that's gone. And while you can do certain some of that stuff on virtual meetings, that one-on-one -on -one interaction, that's huge. So the whole idea of a holodeck, imagine that. You, there's your trade show, right? And you can walk from room to room. You can still interact with people. But you're 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 actually all in different locations around the world, you know that's that's pretty slick. Anyway, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, so I'll just keep on watching Star Trek. Darwin, thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing so many wonderful thoughts and resources. What would you say is the the one key takeaway for the listener from today's discussion? The one key takeaway is that David is a kick-ass guy because he's using vmix he's got an re20 microphone he and he and, and he talked about not just the quality but he talked about the editing and the power importance of that and why you want multi-track that is the sign of a kick-ass marketer who understands it's just not about what people see up front it's about the effort it took to get there and just thinking about the editing and that fact shows you that David is a kick-ass marketer. And if you're not thinking like David's thinking, then you're doing yourself and your brand a massive disservice. So I was so thrilled and delighted to see I'm not the only AV geek around. Fantastic take. <laughs> well, Daryl, you're a kick-ass marketer as well because you think of the end user in mind as well. Uh, we're using Riverside to record this, and I, we've had a couple of glitches in terms of one or more of us freezing while we're having this discussion. But we're experienced enough to be aware of the fact that we're recording locally. So what matters is the viewer and the product, i.e. the video or the podcast that we are producing here. So if we carry on talking to the camera, that's what's important because that's going to be the end product that gets consumed if we stop in the middle of our sentence it's not going to sound right it's going to be difficult to edit afterwards so you, you're you're certainly pro enough as part of this recording to acknowledge that and and, and produce a wonderful podcast so thank you so much for being a part of it today daryl thank you for your time and your tips what's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do uh, lots of ways. I mean, just Google Daryl Prale, right? Google Prale, P-R-A-I-L-L. -L. You can probably find me way too many places. LinkedIn, DarylPrale.com. Go uh, Twitter, you know, go to any of those places and we'll have fun. We'll connect. Please, please do follow me. I will reciprocate. I would love to have you in the network. Superb stuff. Thank you again. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. 
Plus, check out all the other MarTech Stack show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know, and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show, or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.